You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Uh, if this is your first time listening, Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with an occasional focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. In addition to that, you can throw your support to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, where at the rates of $1 and $2 per month, you get access to an exclusive RSS feed recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. Um, and then at the $5 level, you get that, as well as commentary tracks um, that I record. And also at the $10 level, you get all of that, plus early access and unreleased episodes of each of our podcasts. Once again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And yeah, uh, so I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today, as usual, is Tiny. Yellow. Hi, Tiny. How's it going? It's going good, man. Nice. You just made a very, very big announcement on Patreon. That I did. Uh, do you want to keep that at Patreon and then make it so that people have to pay? Do you want to put your big announcement behind the paywall, essentially? Yeah, you got to give us a dollar if you yes. want to know. Yes. Um, or you just want to say No, that? I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm going to be a father. Yes, Tiny is going to be a daddy. Um. Yeah, that's that's super exciting. Yes, I am very excited about yes. it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Find out more information on Patreon. Um. That's what we'll keep behind the paywall. Oh yeah. Does he want to have a boy or a girl? Does what is his child's first Stephen King book going to be? Is that's it actually mine? Is it? Is it actually yours? Oh God! <laughs> so uh, that's awesome. So officially on the podcast, congratulations, Tiny! Thanks, buddy. Super excited for you, and uh, can't can't wait to make as many just stupid jokes. <laughs> um, I've already been practicing my dad jokes. And, nice, um, nice. Yeah, I told um, when uh, um, I, I made a stupid dad joke, and Paige is like, Paige was like, "Have you been practicing these?" I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm practicing a lot of dad things." <laughs> And I just sent her a screenshot of like the most basic New Balance tennis shoes in my <laughs> Amazon cart, and she was like, "No." <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, God, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm not. I, that was a joke. I'm oh, not actually. Yeah. Sure. Nothing sure. wrong with New Balance. Nothing against them. It's right. just. Yeah. Uh, that's that's super exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, find out more on Patreon, and uh, yeah, so today on the show, Tiny, we are, this is a big episode. Tis. Because we are finally finishing up our eight-episode review series on all things concerning The Stand yeah. um, in all its forms. So uh, today on the show, we're going to be reviewing um, episodes seven through nine of the CBS All Access The Stand miniseries, which premiered in 2020, late 2020, December 2020. Jesus. We're going to be reviewing <laughs> The Walk, The Stand, and The Circle Closes. And uh, just, like, I'm, I'm super excited about this because we're finally going to be, <laughs> like, free to do other things. <laughs> um, and also, just just for context, just for nostalgia, I guess, um, it's, it's just kind of crazy to me because I was thinking about this. Um... We've been covering the stand 
since in terms of recorded audio, uh, sitting down and recording these episodes, we have been doing this project since April 2nd of 2020. Damn. And it is nuts to me. Um, before, uh, as of this recording, we have like, we've released 11 hours worth of content about the stand in the stand miniseries, plural. Um, (laughs) And so, just it's just nuts to me because I I went back and listened to all those episodes because I'm a, a narcissist. <laughs> but just thinking about all of the things that have happened in that event in that in that time frame, like we started in April when we were under quarantine for coronavirus and and the pandemic and everything, and we resumed it for part two in June, which was even deeper into all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone through. Uh, more pandemic stuff, <laughs> uh, uh, an election, um, a fucking insurrection, right? Um, one of the hosts getting fucking COVID. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, it's just it's it's nuts. And then now, uh, one 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 of the hosts be uh, Im- impending fatherhood, right? Um, so yeah, it's 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 been a lot. It's been a lot of time and a lot Man. of uh, content. So when you put it like that. Yeah. It's crazy. That's a lot it, of stuff. Yes. Well, I mean, the book is, the audio book is over 20 hours, right? Oh, it's like 40-something, Is think. it that yeah. long? Jesus. Yeah. So there's that, and then the 90s miniseries was six hours. Something like that, yeah. Six, seven hours, and then this was nine hours. Yeah. That's a lot of content. I mean, even if you're breaking it up over eight podcasts. Yes. I mean, that's, that's a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so on that note, do you want to get into Stephen King check-ins? Yes. Okay. Do you have any check-ins? <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember if I said this last time or if I had done this last time, but I have finished reading Apt Pupil. You did, yeah. I did, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that, I haven't gotten any further than that lately. Okay. I am reading a new book. Oh, nice. Um, but it's not, it's not King. It's called, uh, Friends Divided. Oh, that's right. The, yeah. uh, about... Uh, the founding fathers something it's about uh the election of 1800 1802 uh the the one where john adams was the incumbent and lost to thomas jefferson okay i i i do <clears throat> think i remember that from hamilton yes <laughs> yeah um because they're really good friends and they were mm. running against each other and it got ah. ugly and stuff like that so um nice. it's written by gordon wood which makes me think oh. of um goodwill hunting Oh, the famous, is it one of the? Is he one of the book people that they were referencing? Yeah, like one of the famous yeah. bar scenes. He's like, like <laughs> yeah. next year you'll probably be in here regurgitating Gordon Wood or whatever. Oh, that's right. And, uh, I've never read any Gordon Wood before. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so it's written by him. Um, um, depending on how far you on are are into this, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Wood. You read more? I don't know. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, so so far, I'm like seven hours into it. I think it's okay. 18 or 20 hours. Um, it's all just been like set up, and I can, it, he hasn't even gotten mm-hmm. to the actual election yet, So, yeah. um, which I kind of wasn't expecting. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like all of that stuff I've really heard before because yeah. I've, I've We've read... We've all seen Hamilton, Gordon. <laughs> right. Come on. <laughs> um, I read the John Adams book, the famous mm-hmm. one by um, McCullough. Yeah. David McCullough. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's American Lion. Is that the big? That's is that Andrew Jackson? Is that Andrew Jackson, or am I thinking of something else? I don't. That might know. be a different president. Mm. Anyways, I, uh, I read the big uh, Thomas Jefferson biography, but it was like a long time ago. So it's kind of stuff that I've heard before already. But uh, I think American Lion is 
Jefferson. Is it? I think. I don't know. I might be confusing that with, like, I think... Because I think that's Ron Chernow. Maybe. Who, who wrote Hamilton. To the internet! Yes. I think... I want to say that the um, the one that I was thinking of was... Um, uh, what president did I say that I thought it was? <laughs> Andrew Jackson, I think? I think that one's like American Sphinx or something like you that. You might be right, yeah. yeah. And actually, uh, American Lion is Thomas... Oh, no, that's Andrew Jackson. Oh, okay. So I was wrong. Huh. And that's John Meacham hmm. that wrote that one. Um, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now, because I read it like 12 years ago. Mm. The big uh, Thomas Jefferson um, biography. So, But anyways, yeah, it's kind of stuff I've heard before so <laughs> far. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to when he actually gets to the whole them campaigning against each other. That'll be interesting. So, oh, I bet. Um, yeah. So anyways, do you have well, any King check-ins, sir? Um, I do. I just want to say, look forward to our uh, <laughs> our our spinoff podcast. Um, <laughs> How you like them apples? We the people. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 uh, because uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, gotcha. We're not doing another podcast, by the way. I'm, that was <laughs> We're <a joke>. not. <laughs> um, unless, Please, God, Tiny. No. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> no, hard no. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, uh, but uh, to get bring it back to Stephen King, um, who has never been president. Um, yet <laughs> yet um, i do have a few check-ins i'm gonna keep these brief okay um i just want to say since we're since we're like celebrating the end of our stand uh review series uh kind of a tease for what's to come um i think on the docket we have the long-awaited misery review that we'll be doing at some point uh-huh. um i think we for that one did we agree to do a novel and movie review separate or 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 together. I really like the idea of the combo. Okay, doing me, both me too. Of them. I just think it's fun to bounce yeah. back and forth, and, and yes. because they're both really good too. That's the right. other thing. Yeah. Yes. So we'll do that, and we're also going to do that same thing with the outsider, I believe. Mm-hmm. But then also, tiny, we've got a palaver coming up with our top nineteen Stephen King adaptations. I gotta get to work on that one. Yes, me too. That's one of the reasons why, and this folds into my check in. I started li- watching The Outsider <laughs> on HBO. <laughs> yeah, because um, I re-listened to the book just on just uh, just on a whim, and uh, the book grew on me. And uh, I'm really digging the miniseries. I've I've only watched two episodes of it, but hmm. um, it really makes me um, want to get back into watching Ozark. Oddly enough, God, you got to watch that show. I know, it's I've, so good. I watched the first season and really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the reason why I equate that to here is that um, Jason Bateman, obviously, mm-hmm. but Bateman he um, directed the first two episodes of The Outsider. Yeah, and like just something about that opening sequence of the second episode where it's basically Ralph uh, going into the lockup to meet with Terry. Um, and it's just the process of him, like, arriving at the jail, going through, like, a kind of a back entrance, being greeted by a guard, going through, like, a back entrance, going in, putting his gun in the little lockbox thing, and being, uh, um... Uh, wanded, basically. Wanded, yeah. yeah. I, I kept wanting to say x-rayed. <laughs> <laughs> wanded for, for uh, metal and all that, and weapons, and then going into and sitting down and talking to Terry. Like, that sequence, the way that it's shot and the way that it's filmed, it's like... It's beautiful. Like and it nice. is so like just gripping and and uh has this like subtle intensity to it. And so like the whole time I was watching I was like fuck. Like I was like what else has Jason Bateman directed? And like he's directed like 10 episodes of Ozark. So I'm like oh, okay. I I need to get back into watching Ozark. Definitely. Yeah. There's a I think it's in one of the episodes he directed. There's a slow motion scene 
I don't want to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. There's a slow motion scene. I don't know if you've gotten to that point yet, but I believe I <clears throat> have. Well, yeah, okay. I definitely have because he directed the first two episodes, and those are the like he yeah. he didn't direct any more episodes. Okay. I do believe I know what scene you're referring to. Okay. I think. Like outside the courthouse? Yes. Yep. Yeah. That blew me away. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit, Jason Bateman directed this yeah. episode. Um, he crushed Just, that part as far as I'm concerned. So. Uh, absolutely. And even like that first that first episode, the kind of opening sequence where they find the where where the body is found. Yeah. Like <laughs> really cool lighting. Very cool lighting. And I think I don't know what it was, but like I think coming off of watching The Stand, I was just like, "Oh, oh, this is this is an HBO show." Um, <laughs> like they are not shying away from the gore on this. Yeah, I'm like I actually paused it and was like, "Oh my god, this is this is intense." I'm I'm very much in in into this right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll obviously report back on that when we actually cover it. Um, yeah, that was a little teaser of our review. Yes. Um, other check-ins. I started reading Everything's Eventual, which I'll talk mm. about at a later. Well, I won't I'll check Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> also, the Stand soundtrack is available to stream. Um, which, as much as I'm gonna lambast this fucking <laughs> miniseries in this review, <laughs> I think the music was was amazing. Yes. Um. What else? Um. Oh, other things that are coming up on the podcast. I think we're going to do a hard case crime uh review series so the colorado kid joyland and then the forthcoming later novel that's coming out in a few weeks Hmm. um so that's on the docket as well um that's all i got for for check-ins and everything um sweet i do have a few news items that i'll run through real quick if you don't mind yeah okay so news um (laughs) i don't know how much this is really worth talking about but um you know, I'll, screw it. I'll just I'll nix that. Um, the only thing that I'll bring up is Creepshow, uh, the Shutter original series based on the George A. Romero movie uh, from 1982, and uh, which was was written and had um, Stephen King in it, co-written. Uh, one he wrote uh, one or two of the stories, I think. Hmm. It has officially been renewed for season three. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, and season two hasn't premiered yet. <laughs> uh, season two is supposed, I believe season two is supposed to be last year, but COVID. Um, mm. So season two is going to premiere on April 1st, and then season three is actually going to come later this year. Um, so probably October, I think. Okay. And I think, fingers crossed, we're going to try to do a review series on that later in the year. <laughs> by by like october i think i think that'll be like an october run of episodes for us okay um and i want to try to get he already said that he was interested in it but i want to try to get mike on board for those okay um from obsessive viewer and as good as it gets sweet um yeah and then also um this is something um marilyn manson uh did you have you heard yeah he's had some bad press lately he has and deservedly um, so Yes, and not to say I told you so, but uh, I did reference in another episode that Evan Rachel Wood gave an impassioned testimony um, detailing the abuse that she suffered mm-hmm. uh, without naming him specifically. But um, she did recently announce, like that, like, hey, he was he was my abuser and everything, and you know, the, like, I'm all like, that's that's great. I, it's it's great that he is. Uh, kind of being taken to task for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I commend her for coming forward and everything, because that's... Yeah. I mean, because she was talking about how 
she feared for her safety. Like that's why she never announced like who who he was. Yeah. Um, who her abuser was. But um, to tie it back to Stephen King and to Creepshow specifically, um, he was going to be in an episode of Creepshow. Okay. Uh, like he was in an episode of season two that's going to premiere. And uh, they cut like after that news broke, they were like, "Nope, he's not going to be in it anymore." Like we're gonna. Wow. I think I don't know the specifics, but I want to say that they scrapped the entire episode. Maybe. Holy crap! Um, something like that. But wh- a headline that I read that I <laughs> was really uh, I really dug. Um, Greg Nicotero is the showrunner of Creepshow. Oh, cool. Yeah. And have you seen any of Creepshow? By the I haven't way? seen any of oh, them. Oh man, no. I've I've dabbled with getting a Shutter subscription just mm-hmm. to run through it real quick. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I will nice. once because we uh, finish the stand. Yes. Yeah. Um, to, as a sneak peek to our review series on that, um, I want to do so. So there are three creep show movies, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, creep show, creep show two, and then creep show three. Creep show three is from like 2006 and is like, like it is apparently. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it is. It is garbage, just terrible. Like not even worth it. Wow. So I think for the review series, instead of subjecting ourselves to that. I want to do a review of Creepshow, Creepshow 2, and then Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, hmm. which Stephen King has said is is like the spiritual Creepshow 3, essentially. Okay, gotcha. And then I originally wanted to do like, okay, we'll break up season one of Creepshow into two episodes covering half of the, half of the season and everything, but... No, it's like no. We're gonna have three seasons of the show, <laughs> so we're gonna do a season by season okay. review on each one, make it easier and everything. Cool. Um, so look forward to that later in the year, around October, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, to bring it back to to the Marilyn Manson thing, um, uh, Greg Nicotero had said he said that uh, Creepshow decided to pull Marilyn Manson to pull the Marilyn Manson episode in about four seconds. Like it, <laughs> it took four seconds for them to decide to just scrap it. <laughs> oh shit! That's funny. so. I, I just appreciated that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So links to all that in the show notes, and then uh, let's. B- before we get on to our reviews, um, I do have a couple of corrections. Um, first of all, um, I had mispronounced, uh, Jove, I'm going to mispronounce it again. Jove, uh, Joven Adepo, hmm. who played Larry. Um, that's probably closer to the correct pronunciation. I called him Jovan. Um, oh, I may have pushed you in that direction. No, I think it was, I think it was opposite. Really? I think, but yeah. Okay. Um, and then also... <laughs> Um, uh, last episode I mentioned like we've 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 dissected this text we've read this book we've covered it over three episodes we know so much about this story um so Teddy Wyzak I had mentioned uh I don't think he's a character in the book um he is totally in the book really <laughs> yeah and not only is he in the book um, he's also in the Mick Garris miniseries. Uh, oh. He's the character that Stephen King plays. <laughs> so, oh my god! So we appreciate you guys listening to us talk about <laughs> Stephen King with so much authority. <laughs> Give us your money for our expert opinions. Yes, Patreon.com/slash/obsessiveviewer. <laughs> um, so those corrections out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our reviews. Are you ready? Let's. Okay. Awesome. So, still important about the dosage take three or four of those at once liable to be fatal you got me East Texas yeah I get you it's been a 
pleasure getting to know you. I wish I could say the same. I didn't mean it when I said it. <laughs> uh, we're going to re- review episode seven, The Walk. Uh, the Walk originally aired on January 28th, 2021. Um... A mere 12 days after Tiny's birthday. <laughs> oh my god, that has to stop. I know. I promise it's the last one. <laughs> um, the plot for The Walk is, after tragedy strikes the Boulder Free Zone, Mother Abigail tasks members of her committee with a dangerous mission. Meanwhile, Harold and Nadine begin their journey to New Vegas to unite with Flag and claim their reward. Okay, so... <clears throat> let's do this. So... Tiny overall thoughts on episode seven, The Walk. This was a good episode. Um, there's some, in, in a way, uh, <laughs> the, there's some things I liked about the episode a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I still like the interaction with um, the four people who have to go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, Glenn and Stu and Ray and Larry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed some of that. And then... I enjoy. I really enjoyed the direction and the evolution of what happened with Nadine. Oh, interesting. Okay, um, I thought that was fairly well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll say I liked. Um, I'm totally blanking on her name. The actress uh, Amber Heard. Amber Heard. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I liked what she did, and, oh, and I yeah. liked some of the direction they took her character in. But the path was a little rocky. Um, okay, and. Anyways, uh, there were there were things to like about the episode. I'll, mm. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Nice. Um, you know, I. This is not the worst episode of this batch of episodes <laughs> that we're going to be reviewing. Right. Um, th- it did do a fairly good job of showcasing like those the basically bridging the gap between uh, explosion in Boulder. And arrival at Vegas, like that's the that's the mark of this episode is that that's what that is serving. Yeah, and it did a good job of that, and I do, I do agree. I I liked some of the stuff that they did with Nadine and Fr- and Flag. Um, there's an interesting choice. I'll just I'll just say it here. Um, it's what kind of ends the episode is that, um, she doesn't see herself as she is post flagging right um (laughs) and i thought that like i thought on paper that is a very interesting angle um but like every literally everything else in this miniseries it doesn't it it doesn't have like a connection to what she was before encountering flag it doesn't have the foundation it it doesn't yeah um it it doesn't have the irobot it doesn't have the dune it doesn't have the foundation nice <laughs> so dumb <laughs> um so uh but it it doesn't have that foundation like it she's not depicted as someone who like if they had if they had established her as a character that uses her sexuality or or uses her like it has like a uh, a specific vanity or something um like i could see that working but like every other character, she doesn't have hardly any character development. Right. So, yeah. But anyway, and I do just want to say that the makeup effects of the, of her like ghoulish appearance yeah. at the end just felt a little dicey. Oh, really? You didn't yeah, like that? I, I oh, didn't. Okay. I just thought like it didn't look it didn't look like the showstopper end of episode reveal that it should have been. Really? Yeah. I just I yeah. 
That's interesting. I was fully on board with that, actually. Nice. I, I, that's one of my favorite parts of the episode. Um, okay. And especially the the three people, um, uh, Larry mm-hmm. Ray and uh, Glenn, mm-hmm. her, their reactions to that. Yeah. I thought were really effective. Um, and just, I thought uh, the whole thing you were talking about where she doesn't see herself mm-hmm. um, was was a really cr- interesting creative choice to make. Mm-hmm. And I actually respect it a lot. I thought it was, nice. I thought it was effective and interesting. I It was just... Uh, I wasn't expecting it, and, and I think it was a pretty big contrast from the '90s miniseries and yeah. and the book. Um, the '90s, I, I, I prefer what uh, I can't remember the actress's name uh, who portrayed her, and oh, then yeah. and that she did. I think she did a really good job. Oh, me too. Um, but my favorite part of her performance was once she had consummated her marriage to mm-hmm. Randall Flagg, she was just dead inside and just yeah. a completely wrecked human being and she portrayed that incredibly well and i do prefer that performance to this one Mm -hmm. but i just it was so out of left field and so not what i was expecting that i actually ended up really liking what what they did with what them and amber heard did with the character and she was like i just thought it was so interesting how she's walking around this glowing blonde hair and just Mm -hmm. gorgeous as she can be but in in reality she was this horrid looking ghoulish woman uh the the pregnancy was wrecking her and again just the three people reacting to that i was like holy crap that was nuts and i just it really worked for me um but uh yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have the same reaction with the okay. the makeup effects. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong, but yeah, I don't know. It just it didn't work for me. I do. I like. I I, I agree that it, it was a very unique choice, and I I respect them doing something unique that is that and not being kind of um, chained to the book or to the other miniseries mm-hmm. um, because that is an interesting choice so i don't know just yeah. the makeup effects didn't work for me that's fair yeah, yeah that's fine um but before we backtrack to to earlier in the chronology um did you hear the music cue that hit when they arrived at new vegas was it larry's song yeah yeah uh baby can you dig your man right yeah um and on the soundtrack they have the full song oh, that they? they did and i've got to say uh, to use the uh, to use to use like TikTok vernacular and and um um what's the other what's what are what are those kids called Gen Z I don't know oh Zennials Gen Z Zennial, yeah Gen Z just Gen Z we'll call yeah. them Gen Z <laughs> um, uh, uh, this song slaps a little bit it do it do be slapping yeah it do be hitting different um and I do want to mention so so the song doesn't um doesn't doesn't use the lyrics that are in the book. Um, okay. Because in the book, it's like, "Baby, can you dig your man? He's a righteous man," um, which is fine. But something I found really interesting is the lyrics that they put into that. Like, like my snarky thing is like the lyrics of the song have more subtext than the actual show, <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's a pretty simple, straightforward song. But part of the lyrics are, um, uh, "Sacrifice in my dreams." Uh, do you know what it means? <laughs> it's like. Like I love that because it relates directly to the stand. Yeah. But also, they barely showed any of the characters' fucking dreams in the miniseries. Right. I know. Yeah. So I don't know. But anyway, let's go back to um, the beginning of the episode. Let's let's yeah. do this non-linearly <laughs> because it's such a proven method. Um, right. No. But, uh, so in the hospital, we get. I, I do want to just highlight this scene with. Mother Abigail giving giving the instructions. I thought that was a very well done scene. It was it was really um, 
really good. I, I, I don't know. I, I really liked her death scene in particular. It was just great with the candle burning out. Yeah. Um, I thought that was just beautifully done. How did you feel about this kind of pivotal scene? I thought it was actually pretty effective, too. And um, I, I don't know if it was uh, Whoopi Goldberg or the writing or, or what all it was, but it did it did just – it landed really well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was much more bleak. Yeah. Um, than like the nineties miniseries or even in the book. Um, cause I think maybe I'm misremembering, but, uh, in, in the book and in the nineties miniseries, I think it's a little less, it's a little less somber mm-hmm. and a little less, um, terrifying, intimidating, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what she's telling them to do. It's much more inspired, I guess. Yeah. Inspirational. Whereas in this, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of gloom and doom mm-hmm. how she was saying it. It was very like uh, fire and brimstone and mm-hmm. um but but that it was effective. I thought it was a really cool choice. So I agree. I actually liked that scene a lot. And it yeah. was a good send-off for Who- Whoopi Goldberg cuz she had mm-hmm. next to nothing to do in this yeah. whole fucking In her like fourth <sighs> scene in the entire miniseries. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Um, I, I want to say that, oh, that I'm exaggerating, but I don't fucking think I am. <laughs> Not by much. Yeah. Maybe her seventh, eighth Probably. scene, really, where she has, like, more than one speaking line. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I agree. It was it was a good send-off and stuff. Um, another yeah. thing that was in the news or something I heard somewhere or whatever is that she wanted to be she she wanted to be mother abigail in like the 90s oh really um, like she was she was gunning for that for that role so hmm. like there's a really good um interview she does on one of the late night shows where she talks about how much she wanted to be mother abigail and now she gets to be mother abigail huh. um yeah so I, I thought that was interesting but that's cool um i will say that another problem like an, a kind of a recurring problem with this miniseries is kind of one of the next scenes after her death scene is Fran and Stu. Uh, I almost called him Stewie. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, Jesus. Stewie. Um, Stewie. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I can't, I've, I've been thinking about this um, randomly, but like, there's like one specific scene in Family Guy that I remember you getting a huge kick out of when we, lo- when we watched it like at work or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when Matthew McConaughey comes to their house, it's like, I'm looking for someone named Stewie. <laughs> yeah. And he like shoots an arrow at him or something. He's like, ow! Ow! So, yeah, that for whatever reason, that so physical dumb. comedy just got me in the funny bone. So dumb. I remember it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so, so, I kind of feel like the strength of the Mother Abigail scene is just completely kind of subverted or undercut in the scene with Fran and Stu. And I don't know, I rewatched it today and I don't really have this harsh of an opinion about it, but I think it is still a a problem just in the greater scope of things, a recurring problem, is that the way that they talk about... Um, like the, like the way that they talk about being pieces for Mother Abigail, like uh, Fran is like, do you really think? Do you think she was the voice of God? Um, and he's like, well, I don't know. And then she's like, well, do you think that we're pieces for him, and um, the people on Flagside are pieces for uh, the other guy? Um, is that what's going on? It's like, why are you saying this out loud, <laughs> screenwriters? Uh. Don't tell us things. Show us them. <laughs> like, let subtext exist. Let let us like infer the meaning that that you're that you're getting at. 
Don't fucking have characters just say, hey, do you think this is what's going on? That God is controlling Mother Abigail and is having a good faction? And that there's a bad faction that we have to go stand up to in Vegas that's led by Flag, but is the embodiment of evil and Satan? Is that what's going on here, guys? Like, fucking shit. Fucking A. Yes. I agree. God damn it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> strap in, because we're going to get a lot more yelling done. Yeah. So, I, I don't agree. know. Yeah, so that bothered me. It, and, and just further issues with um, Odessa Young and James Marsden mm. having, like, very little chemistry. Yeah. Which, yeah. again, I don't necessarily blame them, because I don't think they... I know they didn't have much to work with. Right. And they, they fucking don't even have a lot of scenes together. No. I mean... They really don't. I do not buy their relationship at all. It's yeah. like it feels forced in it, this. It really does this adaptation. It 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 does, and yeah. kind of to that point, to leapfrog off off of that point. Anytime the characters, like the committee members, have scenes together, like this goes back to a few episodes ago when um, Fran approaches Larry about breaking into Harold's house, and then even Larry having a scene with Glenn in in the hospital and everything. It's like. These people are talking. It's like we haven't, we have not adequately seen them interacting together as a group. We've seen them interacting as a group, but it's been so piecemealed and separate from other things that it's it. We don't get that foundation or mm. that iRobot or that Dune, um, <laughs> so um, or that Expanse. Um, nice. I started the fifth book of the Expanse. By the way, oh sweet, so fucking good. But anyway. Nice. Um, yeah, it's just it's there's nothing there. Um but then again, the kind of the goodbye scene worked for me too. So I don't know where I'm landing on this. Yeah. Did you did you not like the kind of goodbye scene and the weird like, oh, let's take a picture of everyone together because they were they're marching off to their death, but let's make a sweet moment where they smile <laughs> for the camera. It was somewhat touching, but um again, mm-hmm. it's just it's so hard to buy it. Yeah. To buy into it because of the poor decision making and poor storytelling up to that point. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I know I don't have to blame the actors because when the writing is okay or good, they do a great job and I'm really into it, but it's like one or two scenes per episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. If that. Yeah. So that's, I know it's not the actors. Yeah. One thing is for sure. Tiny. Um, Kojak. Good boy. Oh, without question. Yeah, he's a good boy. Yeah. Um, do Coats. you like Kojak better than your dog Gizmo? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have to say that because he's a listener. <laughs> um, so anyway, <laughs> that's dumb. Uh, so the actual, the titular walk. Um, mm. I, well, let, let's, yeah, okay, yeah, let's talk about the walk. Um, I loved it. Like that that was a high point of the episode that montage of them walking. Yeah. Um I thought was beautiful. Good music again. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. Because I I tweeted this and uh okay, I'm just going to say it. So um I like the montage of them walking. It's very picturesque and it shows a variety of the different like like uh um 
layouts landscapes <laughs> landscapes yeah uh which one of us is, works more outdoors <laughs> pop quiz um, <laughs> uh no very the the landscapes and everything the different weather and everything yeah also just like the increasing amount of like crows that you see throughout it oh um, i didn't notice that you didn't notice that no oh yeah like almost it's interesting because it's like um it starts out you don't really see the crows i i, I think um, and then as it goes, as the montage goes on, as the music keeps playing and stuff, like you see more and more crows that are just kind of standing around and, and flying around and watching them. It's very cool. And like the song, to your point, a great song choice. I, I, I'm not really a music guy, but, um, <laughs> uh, the song was Radiohead. Uh, the song is I Promise. Yeah. And very great song. But, uh, uh, in my notes, I have should have used a Counting Crows song. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> Although none of them were named Mr. Jones, so. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And none of them, to my knowledge, were colorblind. Um, which, that's Counting Crows, right? I th- uh, Mr. Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones yeah. and yeah. me. I have a theory about that song. Do you? It's not a theory. It's more of a headcanon for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, my interpretation of that song is that it is actually about... Uh, the relationship between Ripley on the Nostromo, and Nostromo oh uh, from Alien, and the cat Jones, and this is the song that she is like she is inventing the song while she's in hypersleep at the end of Alien. Um, you so, yeah. fucking dork, Mr. Jones and me, <laughs> we're the only ones left on the Nostromo. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know any of the other lyrics. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, you dork. <laughs> Have you actually thought about that before? Or did you just come up with oh, that? No, <laughs> I've thought about it before. I have posted it on Reddit. <laughs> Neither answer would surprise me. <laughs> oh my god! Um, there's also another theory I have that Fall Out Boy's Church from their Mania album is about Winston Churchill. Because um, if you were Church, I'd get on my knees. Um, so they're they're just saying like they are just uh, they worship at the ground of, of Winston Churchill. Okay. So anyway, it's a really good montage. <laughs> Let's move on. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I, I did yeah. connect with that as well. Good, good nice. visuals and everything mm. in that part. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, uh, the director of this episode and the next episode was uh, Stephen King, not Stephen King, but uh, Stephen King um, alum of directorship, um, <laughs> uh, Vincenzo Natale, um, who directed oh. In the Tall Grass. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And to that point... Um, the visuals, like, like there's a, sh- there's a scene that stood out to me in that montage. I think it's at the end of that montage where the camera just like, it's panning and it's, we're seeing them in the background kind of walking. And then it just, it kind of stops at the, the rotted corpse of a person yeah. on the ground. And then it zooms into the eye socket and then transitions mm. into the next scene. I just thought that was just very cool visuals. Totally. Yeah. Totes. Um, but let's backtrack a little bit because we're going to kind of, You'll see. Um, Harold and Nadine, um, they're on their motorcycles, Yep. and Harold takes a fall. Show did. Yes. How'd you feel about how that played out? Uh, pretty good. I mean, good depiction. It's pretty graphic. Um, yeah. Again, visually kind of impressive, where mm-hmm. it looks like they actually threw somebody off a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, it, lo- it looks good. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I like the effect of him being impaled. Yeah. And coughing up blood. Very, very gr- grotesque. Mm-hmm. Um Really good. And and him, when he takes out the notebook and he starts writing, um, 
that made me think and then also when he took out the payday bar and started eating it um mm. i was thinking like man i i wish that his writing was more prevalent in the in the miniseries yes um as it was in the book his and fran's writing because the whole like her suspicion in the book that he that he's up to something is that he she he leaves like a smudge of a thumbprint from uh from a candy bar on her on her on her diary. That's right, yeah. And like all we get of Fran writing is Fran writing to her to her child. Right. And everything, which is fine. Yeah, it's 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 good writing. Like I have yeah. actually enjoyed that part of the show, but yeah, it's uh it's few and far between and it's sort of disjointed, I guess. Yeah. That's how I put it. But yeah, when he pulls out his little notebook mm-hmm. and scribbles in his kind of final thoughts. Yeah. I thought that was a very good end cap for the character and how Me too. he was really prescient in that moment and mm. was able to contextualize his death. Like yeah. it's it's a very herald moment. Yep. I think. Um highly intellectual moment and Absolutely. Writ- written well. I really mm. enjoyed that part. Me too. And I just want to say Owen Teague. One of the MVPs yes. of this of this miniseries, without question, he did Just a fantastic job up, up until the end. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and then we get <laughs> we get a little bit later we get the group coming up to him and meeting him. Yeah. Uh, the visual effects <clears throat> of his uh, uh, the 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 makeup effects and everything of yeah. his rotting corpse and everything, fucking great. I appreciate appreciated it. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. <clears throat> Unsettling. Yep. Um, but again, I have trouble with it because, um. Like okay, first Ray Brentner um, doesn't <laughs> that character. I don't remember Ralph Brentner that well from the book. Um, all I, I I remember some things, but you know whatever or the miniseries. But this it's it's kind of a, a weird kind of double edged sword that this character plays in this miniseries because she is extremely like outspoken and very. Um, She's she's kind of the hardened person of the group. Right, so I'm like, oh right. fuck him! Like we're not gonna leave. Like we're not gonna cover his corpse and everything because you know he fucking murdered Nick and everyone else. Like no, right? And like that's that that hard acidness is really good, I guess, and it's a good counterbalance to the compassion of of Larry. But also during the stand, <laughs> like the actual stand in the next episode, like. She does the Ralph Brentner, like I'm scared of I'm I do, I'm scared of pain and stuff, and it just seem, it seems like there's not like an organic way to to connect those two character traits. Yeah, that's that's a choice they made with that character that I don't think. I'm not sure if I didn't like it or if it mm-hmm. just didn't work. Which one? Uh, the fact that she like has this badassness about her, mm-hmm. and that she's kind of confrontational, okay, and stuff like that. Because I feel like Ralph Brentner in the book is very. Like he and Nick were very tight, and he was like mm-hmm. he was almost like Nick's interpreter, if you will. Yeah. Um, and he he was very kind and gentle, and like yeah. any any kind of violence or um, uh, conflict, mm. he was he kind of uh closed it on himself and kind of locked up and yeah, very very different from the Ray Brentner in the show, right? Which is why, like in the book, when he does that whole like I'm afraid of pain and Larry's comforting him as they're about to be like crucified and stuff, like that works very well. And then totally in the miniseries, it's like they're it's it's like they don't know what to do with the character because okay, the book says this, but let's also make her kind of a badass right. or kind of a hard ass, and then not do anything to reconcile those two like openly conflicting character traits um it's it's really annoying yeah um there was there was a little joke at one point where i i'm 
probably doing a poor paraphrase of it, but the other three characters like come to Ray and they're like, well, can you like, can you tell us like what water we should drink and like yeah. kind of lead the way and find a trail? And she, and she <clears> says something like, kind of oh, like one engine girl is going to be able to find exactly water. That's not going to make you have diarrhea. Right. And, and like, they were well, like, of course I can. They were like, well, can't you? And she's like, well, yeah, of course I can. But that yeah. was actually kind of funny. I mean, it was, yeah, it was sort of the easy, worked, it was sort of an easy joke to make, but, yeah. um, the delivery, I guess worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Especially James Marsden was like, well, can you yeah. like, I actually liked that kind of, yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah, kind of an easy, easy writing, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think we have much else to say about this episode. But yeah. uh, just to kind of close it out, what did you think of Nadine's actual encounter with with Flag? Like their uh, the consummation of their long gestating relationship and and marriage. Um, I thought it was Them fine. having sex, right? <laughs> um, I thought it was fine. I I think. I wanted it to be a little more disturbing because mm-hmm. I feel like in the book I one of, one of the most disturbing sentences in the whole book for me is when um I think I'm again I'm paraphrasing here but I think it's something along the lines of when Nadine saw what she had what he had for her she screamed and didn't stop screaming or something yeah. like that and I was like oh god cuz mm-hmm. you know it's crazy monster sex mm-hmm. like that sounds just it just sounds disturbing mm-hmm. um and and i i make that i'm not gonna please don't that. contain yep. yourself yep. sir mm-hmm. um but it, it was really effective in the book and uh, and you know uh, the the I keep coming to the same caveat when you talk about the 90s miniseries but mm-hmm. if you can put aside the campiness <laughs> i think it was pretty scary and pretty effective yeah. their consummation scene mm-hmm. um was was disturbing and and did they did a pretty good job with it and i'm not saying that this version wasn't effective or that it right. sucked i'm not saying that at all i just feel like it wasn't as effective as it could have been and i wanted them to take it even further yeah um i feel like cbs all access when it comes to this and then the twilight zone mm-hmm. they've really wanted to amplify the fact that this is tvma and that they can go a little further if they need to and um they they were just as edgy as hbo and i feel like they really pumped the brakes on this scene and could have taken it a lot further um yeah i i agree i um the problem that i kind of had with it was that it they held back the kind of monster imagery of flag yeah like way too long like yeah he it was just alexander skarsgård going to town Mm -hmm. and uh being being aggressive and everything which is disturbing in its own way in 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 a big way obviously and like her saying like something's wrong something's not right and everything that's that's disturbing but then like we get a a a very short shot of him transforming into a monster and i kind of feel like that should have been that should have been the focus of the scene is should have been like you said that line in the book when she saw what he had she screamed and never stopped screaming or whatever right um that should have been where the focus was, but instead we just get, you know, Alexander Skarsgård. Man. Uh, uh, like, the imagery of the monster version of him was, was creepy. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. So. It, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It was fine. Um, um, I can't remember in the book, was there, did he, did she, didn't she, like, walk the rest of the way to Vegas? Oh, I don't know. Or did he send somebody to pick her up? I can't remember. I I want to say it was maybe one of those two. 
I don't know if she walked the rest of the way. I, I don't know. I can't remember either. Yeah. But I sort of like what they did in the book or in this series where mm-hmm. he kind of appears with the cool muscle car and drives her the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, that was that was fine. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Decent imagery. I, I agree. And I just remembered we did not talk about Stu's fall. <laughs> we didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, How do you feel about the fall of Stu? <laughs> um, my favorite part about it was when they decide to move on and carry on and his little conversation with Glenn. Me, me too. Just, Greg Kinnear God. was probably MVP number two, in he, my opinion. Same. Um, as badly as they have fucked up that character, just mm. hang, hang tight, folks. <laughs> oh, um, yes, hang tight. Yeah. Um, as, as poor a job as the writers did, mm-hmm. um, he, he was a perfect Glenn Bateman. He which really was. I had all the faith that he would be, but mm-hmm. I wish they had written a better character for him. But, Me um, too. This, that, that scene was really touching. Yeah, that uh, I, I love that just the camaraderie between them. Mm-hmm. And when he's when he's like... Um, How they understand each other. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it just, it breaks my heart a little bit when he, when he says, like, you know, just so you know, any more than the recommended dosage, it could be fatal. And then he, all he says is, you get me, East Texas? Yeah. And something about that just, like, really just struck a nerve with me in a good way. Like, that, because that just, like, that comfortable, like,ness between them. Yeah. Is, is great. And then they end, they ended on kind of a little joke where they're like, yeah, you know, it was a pleasure to meet you and it was a pleasure to get to know you. And it's like, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I would watch an entire miniseries of just these I two. Know. Like, God, but no, we've got like five scenes with them, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was, that was solid. Um, again, I think a big part of the, not failings, but one of the issues that I have that I haven't really talked that well, I've talked a bit about, um, is that the, the visual effects and the special effects weren't really up to snuff for me. Like, like it just seemed like that, that set just seemed off so much like a set yes it didn't like, feel natural at all just completely like obviously cgi and everything mm-hmm. and just it felt just really just it it took me out of the out of the scene yeah i agree yep um it kind of reminded me a little bit of um well my problems with the scenes where uh where uh flag is tempting um the 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 characters in his little like little place oh, his little like desert yeah area that looks like a scene from like it looks like the um the fake boulders in yeah. the original star trek series whenever they go to earth or yeah. go to another planet see I, I i feel differently about that because it's a dream yeah that's fair that's fair yeah um but yeah but this scene with with Stu's fall was uh, wasn't up to snuff visually for me i agree yep yeah um so and then finally the last part, uh, the ride into Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, <laughs> why can't I ever remember his name? Uh, so, so I figured out why I confuse Lloyd and Harold's name so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my head I just I hear Harold and Lloyd, and it's like Harold Lloyd, like that old comic actor from like the like silent era. Okay, I don't know something in that just jumbles it, but Lloyd. Um, arrives with a limo and brings them into town, into Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you feel about their 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 ride into Vegas? <clears throat> um, yeah, it was fine. It was a little uneventful, I think. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the book, Lloyd isn't actually there. Um, right. I think it's Grogan. Yeah, uh, Drogan. Drogan. I whatever. think is his name. Yeah. Um, um, 
Yeah, which we talked about in in the book review, and I, I liked, and I I think I don't I can't confirm this, but I want to say that the character that rides into Boulder with the crucifix uh, wounds and stuff, I think that like in the script and everything, he was he was that character. He was Drogon. Oh, okay. Um, which fine. Huh, okay. Um, but yeah, um, it was it was fine. I I liked the shots of Vegas, the strip, desolate, and everything. Um, something that I'll talk about more in the next review. Um, but I thought it was interesting that they had just video displays of flag just saying this like indoctrinating kind of thing. Like they, uh, they, uh, like propaganda recordings. Exactly. Like I thought that was an interesting choice. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that. Yeah. (laughs) Later. Um, was this, uh, they, they, this is where they were rolling down the strip, and there's like a statue of him, right? Yeah, as like Julius Caesar or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a little over the top in my book. Yeah, yeah, um, but it was interspersed with some nice visual cues, mm-hmm. some good visual work in regards to visual storytelling. Where yeah, there's like people being kind of like whipped, admonished, yeah. like basically slaves Beaten with bats and stuff yeah. right um and there's violence happening in the streets and there's mm-hmm. like slaves who are supposed to be doing work and they get you know kicked in the back and say get back yeah. to work and it's disturbing and that was effective but then it was interspersed with a ridiculous looking cartoonish statue of <laughs> yeah. alexander skarsgård of julius caesar the the statue didn't do any like didn't didn't bother me oh really honestly. i thought yeah. it was just over the top and silly because okay. what they call in a fucking stonemason to carve a goddamn statue <laughs> right like are you kidding me like I yeah don't know. it was just goofy yeah i'm not that bent out of shape about it really it's just okay. I, it jumped out of me like really they made that choice okay yeah and I don't know. Another thing, and maybe it's a budget thing, but like also there's like no one there either. Like right. we see like them at the statue and the people in the street being beaten and everything. And it's not like, I don't know. It seems like it should have been a little bit more filled in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also we see like just brief shots of the people hanging on the crucifix and stuff. Yeah. Which is cool, but I have a problem that we'll talk about in the next review. Okay. Um, so, having said that, is that our review of The Walk? Yes, sir. All right, well, we are going to go ahead and uh, review episode eight, The Stand. Your hand's shaking, Lloyd. I ain't shaking. you never done it before, right? Shut up! Killed the man. You don't have to start now. I'm not begging for my life, mind you. I'm begging for yours. Okay. If you don't stop talking, I'm gonna have to put a bullet through you. The fault, dear Brutus, is in our stars, not in ourselves. What do you mean? You don't have to do this. Why? Why are you saying that? You can stop this. Just look in the camera. Tell these people what I already know: that without your fear, he's nothing. He's seen him. He knows this guy. Without your adulation, he's nothing, Lloyd. Look at the camera and tell these people what I already know: that he's nothing without your. All right, this episode originally aired February 4th, 2021 on CBS All Access, and the plot is Risking Everything, the Boulder Travelers Face Off with Flag's Followers in New Vegas, among them a very different and pregnant Nadine. 
Um, so, um, my notes for this, for the, like, is, <laughs> is not, like, like, I'm, I had a plethora of notes for the first episode, and then next to, like, just very brief notes for this episode, because after a certain point in this episode, I just stopped taking notes, because I was, like, fuming. Is this the worst episode? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think so. it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Most frustrating, at the very least. Yes. Yeah. So, what did you think of The Stand? Um, again, kind of mixed. I feel like I have to, I don't know, I feel like I want to focus on the good things at the beginning because I'm just going to shit on it a lot, but, yeah. um, the, the conclusion I thought was kind of cool and they did a few mm-hmm. things. Again, there's some things to like about it. Yeah. Um, but ultimately it was, th- there, there was a scene in particular yes. across nine episodes that I was looking forward to. Mm-hmm so much and we talked about it like uh, yeah i listened to those episodes we talked about like oh we can't wait to see that scene exactly we can't wait to see that scene with those actors yeah it, they're gonna kill it and not only did they just it's not that they fumbled it or mm-hmm. they messed it up it wasn't in the fucking series it wasn't right. in the episode nope like it, it's pivotal and it's it is huge literally not there probably the most important scene in the entire book yeah like it is it is the summation of it is the stand it is the titular stand <laughs> right um yeah it's it's uh, it it is it is frustrating it's un, it's an unforgivable thing to, yeah uh the creators and showrunners and everybody writers everybody yeah. it's this is like their biggest sin yep and like i and it i i was just I thought like I <laughs> I didn't expect it. Like I yeah. didn't expect them to like okay. So when it aired, like I got uh I got a DM from a uh, friend of the show Robert in Utah. Uh he was like, "Uh have you watched the latest episode?" <laughs> um because something happened and it ruined my morning <laughs> and i was like oh my god i can't i i can't i, I it, it's not that i can't wait but i'm like i'm 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 dreading this now <laughs> and he was spot on like that is absolutely right like yeah so let's let's backtrack so sure, yeah let's get i first. was expecting it I, I I was I was completely oblivious oblivious to how badly they were going to fuck up that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, even with that warning from Robert, who who uh, who he never said anything that was spoilery or anything. Okay. Uh, so thank you, Robert. <laughs> but uh, like in that oh, like opening scene of the episode when they're having the conversation in the jail cell, like the cage. Um, it's like it's like an open cage thing, and I, like I was watching that scene, I was like. I mean that it'll work. I I pictured it in a jail cell, like it, like with Lloyd, like. But I mean, Flag being there and Glenn, like that that'll it'll work. It'll be fine. Like I was like prepping my mind for like, oh, this is where the scene is going to take place. Yeah. But instead, <laughs> they fucking god damn it. Okay, so, um, they decided to change it. Which hey, I am not a detractor of a change in an adaptation. Mm -hmm. Like they went a different route with it. What they did with it was to make a courtroom spectacle scene. Um, hashtag surprise courtroom drama. (laughs) And, um, that just set up the, like Glenn's scene where he, like Glenn's demise, it set it up to fail spectacularly because, 
because it was just a fucking like Lloyd Lloyd Henry's Netflix stand-up special <laughs> for five minutes and then Ugh. executing Glenn. Like, god damn it! Okay, it was so bad. Yeah, how did you feel about it? And then I'll scream for a little while. <laughs> so it's it's funny because I I was I was so optimistic going in, and then that scene started. Mm-hmm. And Glenn started doing his thing, and I was like, "Okay, this could be really cool because yeah. it could be the thing where Glenn works him up mm-hmm. over the cameras, and then Flag comes storming in. That would have been, and this all happens yeah. in front of everybody, mm-hmm. and he completely blows. I was like, "This is going to be. This could even be better than the book." Mm-hmm. Oh, how wrong past Tiny was. Yes. Oh, how wrong." Hath the mighty fallen or whatever right they like no that's not at all what they did glenn bateman was having his showdown with a goddamn camera yes and it it lost all of its effectiveness absolutely and and just the 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 dejection that lloyd henry is supposed to feel they tried to to make it happen Mm -hmm. they tried to do it and I guess they succeeded, but not at all in the way they should have. Right. Like the 90s series, um, I can't remember the actor's name who plays him. Uh, um, Miguel F- uh, Fer- Ferreira? Ferreira? Ferreira, something like America that. America Ferreira? No. <laughs> um, um, uh, him. Yeah. Great yeah. character actor. Yeah. Um, does a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. You can see the dejection and the um, hopelessness mm. on, on his face. In the book, it's even better. It's great. I love the direction that that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, just all all the pieces starting to fall apart. Yeah. Um, and and the the pieces start to fall apart, but it's not. It's just not. Um, it's not a house of cards. It's a right. poorly built brick house that's yeah. slowly falling apart. Like it's just not. It was so ineffective. It it really was. And again, fucking uh, Greg Kinnear tried his damnedest yes. with this and d- did what he could with what mm-hmm. they gave him. And he was trying hard, and I don't fault him t- in the slightest. I don't fault Nat Wolf either, which right. I have major issues with his choices mm-hmm. in this series, in this performance. But th- he had nothing... It could have been so much better, even with yeah. his ridiculous choices. Right. It could have been a really great scene. Yeah. If and they had done it the right way. So I, I've thought a lot about this. <laughs> I've fumed a lot about this. I've, 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 I've thought a lot about it. And I've come, I've come to the conclusion that like, I, I think I understand what they were going for in maybe in terms of the entire depiction of flag. And I, I can almost get on board with it. So, first of all, before I get into this whole spiel where my blood pressure is going to be elevated and I'm going to be screaming at you, first of all, I'm not screaming at you guys. <laughs> it's not about you. It's okay? not about you. We still love you. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't go back to check. But did you notice the banners on the side? Um, they looked in in the courtroom. Like, no, I didn't. They looked like slightly altered. I don't know if they couldn't get the rights to show the ex- exact image, but it looked like um, uh, did it say uh, RF on it? I th- it did, but I think the big symbol was the the eye of the crimson king. Oh, really? Yeah, I I think it looked extremely familiar, so much so that uh. I I think that they wanted to have that, but maybe like. Well, I'm not gonna go back and watch so, it. So yeah, yep. Yeah. So, but now I'm curious. Fuck. Yeah. 
Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> that's fine. So, okay. So I think what they were doing, which I, I can respect to an extent this depiction. What they, I think, were going for was a commentary of some kind about media presence. It, like, it, it, I think that they were trying to relate it to, to like the modern modern day political climate and misinformation disinformation climate that we live in, where like media, like like hu- like uh, communities and societies are built on everyone's perception of like the people in power that is dictated to them strictly through media and through disinformation and misinformation through media and through like a lens essentially. So I can, I can respect them wanting to do that. Like, I think that that's evidenced by, um, uh, by, by even when they're going in at the end of the last episode, when they're going into Vegas, having the big propaganda, um, displays of flag speaking and everything. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I think that there's evidence of that. And, I can respect them doing that and having like the like having Glenn do his whole like impassioned speech and trying to wake up the audience to what they're what they're what like what's happening um and to the truth of 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 it and everything. So I can understand on paper why they would make that change. But it is unequivocally the wrong decision to make. <laughs> yeah. Like the power of the scene between Glenn and Flag in the original in in the book, the power of that scene is the way that it just completely it, like it, it it is Glenn's stand. And like the characters have like they have their individual stands up against evil in all of its forms. And this is the most pivotal and and, and important stand that is made in the book because it is the one well it's one of the ones where a character is directly interacting with flag and just from the outset in the book glenn is like oh you weren't you aren't that big of a deal like you're like the you who you're who we were fretting fretting over this whole time like nothing god i love that it's so great it's so perfect and it's just it's and it's to his face like that's the power of it and so here He's speaking to him through a fucking through a fucking camera lens <sighs> and he's appealing to the the masses who are there to watch this fucking stand-up comedy routine, routine mm-hmm. and it's just it loses all impact. Yeah. And I had never considered the idea that Flag would come down and and do that. That would have worked. That would have yeah. been great yeah. because it would have been directly into Flag's face and it would have been directly there. But instead, they they don't do that. Like, what the fuck were they thinking? I know. Like, I ah, uh. so yeah. <clears throat> and it's just in in his appeal to Lloyd, saying like, you you don't want to do this. Like, I like, have you ever even killed someone before? Like, like you haven't, have you? Like, you don't need to do this or anything. And I'm not pleading for you. I'm pleading for you. Pleading for for. Or I'm not pleading for me. I'm pleading for you and all that. Like, that's all good and everything. And I don't know. I don't know if this was intentional, but they threw in the, um, oh, I don't remember what, or I don't think I know what, it might've been Hamlet. Um, the Shakespeare reference, like the fall is not in our stars, but it's in our hearts or whatever. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is a like specific, uh, reference to, cause Josh Boone directed the fault in our stars. Right. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, and then uh, Lloyd shoots him, and fuck it, it who cares? Yeah. They don't fucking they don't fucking care about the characters enough to <laughs> set them up. They don't care about the themes or the subtext of the of the of the text to do it effectively and everything. Instead, they want to shoehorn in some fucking lazy ass like um f- like uh, commentary on like media and everything that very sophomoric, very sophomoric, yeah. And like I, the can kind of thing. Like okay, I think the the politics of what they're getting at here is I I don't know if they're necessarily wanting to make Flag to be like a Trumpist uh, Trumper kind of character. Right. Maybe that's their intention, and and I understand that. And like, I mean, I. <laughs> Fuck, like uh, my politics are sympathetic to very that. sympathetic. Th- well yeah, said, right? Very sympathetic to that and everything. But Randall Flagg is not a Trump character. Not at all. He's not like th- if they wanted to do that, fucking remake the Dead Zone, make him Greg Stilson. Right. Like that's that's what they should have done. But to shoehorn it because Flagg is this demon entity that is manipulative, and he he's uh, Trump on the other hand is someone who kind of. Seems like as calculating as he might be, he also is a fucking privileged, stumbled into this fucking cult leadership role, and he's obvious. He's he's very obvious, right? Very thin skinned. He's it's a narcissistic personality disorder, right? Embodied. Flag is not that. Flag no. is this fucking agent of chaos, and it's just and to shoehorn in this kind of I don't know twenty twenty view of him as an allegory for Trump is just, it doesn't, it doesn't work at all. It really didn't. Um, and it was to the point where I had to rewind a part. Um, one of the characters, uh, like sitting in the front row Mm. close to Lloyd or maybe even right next to Lloyd is wearing like a red hat. Oh, really? That I had to rewind it to see if it was a MAGA hat. Oh God. It's not, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I think it was a pretty, pretty blatant any red imagery now is is that yeah it's completely stigmatized yeah Um, so yeah and i was just i i I agree with what you said 100 percent. like i can't i'm not even gonna try to add to it because yeah yeah it was just a really ham-fisted allegory they were going for Mm -hmm. um and just not necessary um no yeah like and the whole the whole i think she was I don't remember the character's name, or if like we even the know the judge character's person? name. Yeah, she was the was she also the person who was like the producer of what was going on? I think so, and she was also like the announcer. The announcer, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know her name, unfortunately, but she is Brad Dorf's uh, Brad Dorf's yeah daughter. daughter right, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, okay. um, but she um, I, that was sort of an interesting idea, mm-hmm. but again, it just. It just really didn't need to be there, like yeah, like you said, they were shoehorning things in that mm-hmm. didn't you don't need to do. It's yeah, it was already so great the way it was. I mean, instead of having and and that the, the ripples of that scene should have been like they should have done the scene the way it should have been done, mm-hmm. and then they should have had the ripples ripple out in a more subtle and effective way. But instead, like okay, this doesn't cause. To to be frank, I don't necessarily remember exactly how Lloyd ends up in in the book after that, but that should have sown doubt into his mind. Like Glenn's impassioned speech and his his stand against death and everything and evil should have had that a profound impact on on Harold. 
or on Lloyd, see? Um, <laughs> on Lloyd. Um, and it does when the, the big stand happens, the, the hand of God thing, which we'll get to. Yeah. But they, again, they manufacture drama and suspense by having it be this whole, like, oh, Flag's going to kill me because he killed Bobby Terry for the same reason. <laughs> and so I'm just going to fucking explain it to the fucking, to the fucking audience blatantly in the scene with you, Brad Dorf's daughter. Um, and so, cause the fucking people writing this goddamn train wreck don't know what fucking subtext is. <laughs> God damn it. I'm, like, it's so annoying. It is. Um, yeah. How'd you feel about the fallout of that? And then we can talk about Nadine's death. Yeah. Uh, it, it's whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it definitely did not have the weight that it should have. I mean, yeah. I get the, because they completely fumbled it and, yeah. Yeah, it was just so so many failures. It it was it was a bit of a domino effect for mm. for that for for Lloyd especially. Yeah, and for um, Randall Flag, mm-hmm. it just the, the, their comeuppance is so unsatisfactory because of yeah. the, the loss of that scene and the absolutely yeah and and the death of Nadine. I thought that was creepy and and it was I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, um, it, it was well done. Yeah, I don't know why I. I <laughs> I I don't necessarily know why the show needed like maybe they didn't have the budget for like stunts or anything but like they do this weird like slow motion like fall scene with both Nadine and Harold in the last episode it's like yeah it feels like they don't I don't, it, it just feels a little bit too like hokey to me I don't know okay it didn't bother me okay um, yeah yeah um but then also the uh, well, I don't even really remember the stuff with Larry and and Ray, but they bring Nadine's head to him, and I like that. Yeah. Like that's kind of one of his stands, and and is where he's like, well, like they're you're doing this to me, but you don't understand why you're doing this to me or why mm. he's having you do this to me. Yeah, and it's like picking a part of that. I I kind of like that, but other right. than that, yeah. um, my only issue with whole Nadine's death scene was. Yeah. Um, in the book, and then in the '90s series, I think the her choice to kill herself was much more calculated. Yeah, and, cause, yeah, because in the '90s series, she's like, um, "I'm getting rid of it. Like, we're like, you're not going to have a son." Yeah, um, yeah. It was much more of a stand. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in this, it was like she's being tortured to death by right. her pregnancy, and it was still disturbing and kind mm-hmm. of cool but it's not in keeping with the character i agree and uh was was a little less effective for that reason um yeah. but the whole like using the rock to break the window and then jumping out and then we actually see her body impact so i was that like was oh cool. shit okay yeah and she falls through that window yeah. lands in the pool that's just kind of it was kind of a, a kind of convenient i guess mm-hmm. like you could sort of criticize it for being too picturesque or whatever mm. but i thought it was just kind of cool i mean i i, I agree i yeah. kind of like that part it was um, it was pretty um it was poetic i think poetic that's yeah. a good way to put it yeah um yeah and so <laughs> let's talk about the stand let's do <laughs> like, it a big yeah. moment mm-hmm. um for all of the visual effects issues that i've had throughout it i kind of feel like they allocated all of their budget into that scene and mm-hmm. i honestly fucking think it worked like gangbusters it was very good yeah very cool um but first let's talk about larry and ray being taken into the empty pool where the the fight pit thing mm-hmm. and so i 
I, I, okay, I'm not a religious person, so I don't know if this has any kind of religious subtext to it or religious kind of imagery to it, but instead of having them on crucifixes outside in Vegas, they have, um, they, they, they cuff them to the bottom of this pool and they, they drown them because they need, they, they need to drown the rats and then burn them or whatever. Yeah. And, I, I don't understand that choice. How did you feel about that choice and the change of the of the book? Um, I in the moment I was very indifferent to it because I was so mm. dejected by what had just happened. But yeah. um, I, I think I'm still just kind of indifferent to it. I don't have a big issue with it. Um, mm. I did prefer the set piece at the end of the '90s miniseries where yeah. they're on they're about to be crucified and mm. all that. Um, I think that was that was preferential just in that that microcosm of this last conflict mm-hmm. um i preferred that a little bit but um i guess it was kind of um ca- kind of cool i guess the whole chaining them up and drowning them thing um mm-hmm. was just interesting violence i guess um yeah. I, I i didn't have a, a big issue with it frankly yeah i i yeah I, honestly i the kind of um the I guess I don't know if it would be a motif or whatever, but the kind of theme of, of rats and everything like that's fine. Like I yeah. I kind of understand that and everything, and that's that's okay. But I kind of wonder, and this is purely conjecture on my part, but I wonder if maybe CBS didn't want the, like wanted them to downplay the religious crucifixion stuff. Oh, um, and I have no basis for that except right. for maybe because CBS has more of an elderly. Um, like viewership, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. maybe yeah. They're inherently more religious and would be more offended about. I don't know. Maybe, but who knows? That's that's probably incorrect. But yeah. Um, but I feel like I don't know if it was something higher ups at CBS were like, oh, let's not crucify people. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if that's the case, if that's the reason why they avoided that, the reason why I'm saying that, the reason why I'm um I'm uh, um. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, not stimulating it, though. Speculating. The reason I'm speculating that is because I just genuinely don't understand why they would avoid doing that. Like, because at its heart, well, I don't understand why they would avoid doing that, except for that they don't, they clearly don't have a fucking care in the world about the actual book, <laughs> or they don't fucking know how to write subtext. But the entire, the entire book as a whole is a battle of good and evil with good, being like people that are following the uh the voice of god essentially and the the bad side following the voice of evil and it's about evil and uh, good and evil meeting and standing up to one another and you know fi- figuring out who comes out on top <laughs> like like it is a tale of religious proportions biblical proportions and i think it loses so much of that by having this very kind of elementary set of them confined to a to a pool and being drowned with with no no religious subtext that i can detect um if i'm wrong correct me please because i would like to appreciate that more but i don't know um so that kind of bothered me okay um so but the but the actual stand okay trash can man fine whatever ezra miller okay yeah just whatever Mm -hmm. um but the actual hand of God, the bomb being set off and everything, the, I, I love the visuals of the the kind of the cloud coming down. It very much um, 
uh, reminded me of the mist, which I, I love that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know what else. Oh, oh, the, the ball of light. Sort yes. Of but before that, one of the coolest images that I, th- that I thought, like one of the most stunning images was that, that wide shot of the exterior of the casino with the giant, uh, screen projecting, uh, Randall Flagg's face. Cause he's in there, he's, he, you know, they're broadcasting it. And like he's looking up in the casino at the, at the cloud descending into that, into the room. And like, in that exterior shot, you just see him looking up at the big cloud outside, mm-hmm. and it just it looked just really cool to me. Nice, yeah. So anyway, um, we kind of skipped over the part right before that where they had like a little dance party. Oh yeah, um, Fuck, <laughs> fucking why? I just what the fuck? It's just so tone deaf. It really it's was. Like they they were like having a dance party to a Katy Perry song. Yeah, while they were gonna watch these two people drown to death. Yeah. I, what what the fuck? I don't understand that <laughs> thinking at all. I just what the fuck? Um, I want to find what that song was because it's on the soundtrack. It's forever ruined for me. Whatever it is. Yeah, I think it. Uh, um, I don't know. It's God. It's so. It's basically like baby, you're a firework. <laughs> that's what it feels. That's what it felt like. It it definitely. Yeah. Okay, I have it. I think here soon. Um. No, no, not that one, not that one, not that one. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. I, it's by U96, and it's called Heaven, and it's like this... I, I don't know if it's a remix or it's a sample of... Um, Welcome to Heaven! <laughs> okay, sorry, I had to do it. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, a remix or sample of... Um, uh, whatever that song is... Um. This could be heaven or whatever. Fuck. Um, yeah, it keeps saying it feels like it's in heaven, but it's at the at the beat of, um, oh god, what is that song? Um, oh, it's a song that played at the end of of San Junipero on Black uh, Black Mirror. So mm. find it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I can't think of it, but anyway, heaven is a place on earth, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, just uh, so Dumb. totally kind of took me out of the moment. I was like, yeah. "What the fuck?" But then, yeah, when they came to the actual mm-hmm. the, the hand of God and the ball of light, I thought that was pretty cool. It, it, the violence of it um, was kind of cool. Uh, I thought the whole um, when Lloyd got just like completely smacked in the face. That by was that pretty. That was pretty sign. Cool. I, I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah. "That's a little dumb," but all right, yeah. I'm, I'm along for the ride with that. Yep. Um, you just described eight years of podcasting with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of dumb, but I'm along, along for the ride. <laughs> it's not at all what I was going for. Oh my god. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, but yeah, I I agree. Um, it, it was cool. The parting thought for the stand for this episode is that Brad William Henke, first, one of the last scenes is him appearing, like uh, uh, um, Tom Cullen appearing um, to help Stu. Mm. But something that, that was excised from the, from the book um, is that in the book, Nick comes to uh, um, Tom in kind of a ghost form in his dreams to help him heal Stu and help them get on their feet. Yeah. And Brad William Henke tweeted and said, Oh, Oh, we shot that scene. 
Um, and it was awesome, but it was supposed to be in last week's episode, um, referring to the walk, I think. Okay. And for some reason, they cut it. Um, hmm. So, yeah. So that's just a bummer. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. Any parting thoughts on the stand, or shall we wrap this up with a review of The Circle Closes? Let's wrap it up. Okay. So, last time on the podcast, I mentioned that the title of the final episode was going to be Fra- uh, Coda, Franny, and the Well. That was before it aired, so it's not the title of it. Hmm. The title is, it's episode nine, The Circle Closes, and we are going to review it. God is cruel, then. Job said the same. And God spoke to him out of the whirlwind and he said, Were you here when I made the world? God said, The wheel keeps turning. The struggle continues. But the command is always the same. Be true. Stand. Okay. So The Circle Closes aired on February 11th, 2021. And the plot is, after seeing both the light and the dark, Franny makes her stand. So this episode is written by Stephen King. And it is essentially, from what I understand, it is an idea that he has had in his head for years that he um, now finally has the had the had the opportunity to write this um, alternate or extended ending to the to the stand and uh, frankly, finally do kind of justice to Fran Goldsmith uh, as a character. Um, there is an article. I haven't read it entirely, uh, but it's on Polygon. It's from, uh, one of the co-hosts of, of the King cast. Um, uh, I think Vespi, Eric Vespi wrote it, um, where he talks about why it's the best ending, um, for it. So this whole episode is an aftermath of the stand. Um, Franny and Stu go to Maine and, uh, they have a little adventure along the way. Mm-hmm. So tiny overall thoughts on the circle closes. Uh, you know, I, I ended up liking it. I really didn't know what to expect with the ninth episode. Um, especially the way episode eight ended. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was kind of looking forward to it because it was the, the denouement, if you will. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't think they were going to do a full episode of, you know, um, Tom and Stu yeah. trying to recover and, and all that stuff, which in the book, I love it. It's right. fantastic. We, we spoke about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, just, I wasn't expecting it for the show, and I, I'm not sure I would have liked that in the show. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I was very curious what they had in mind, and I um, uh, I ended up really liking it. it. It is good. I hadn't thought about it till you just kind of said that, but it is mm-hmm. nice. It, it is a good justification for or conclusion for um, Fran Goldsmith. Yeah, I um, mean, you know, one of the most pivotal characters didn't really get to make her stand. Right. Um, and and this sort of rect, rect, rect this sort of rectifies that. Um yeah. Yeah, it's it's a kind of it's kind of cool. Nice. Um I agree. And so so this episode I think has a lot of strengths to it. Mm-hmm. Um I think that it is a very fitting ending to the story. But I, I again, like I said with uh on one of the previous episodes, one episode does not one episode strengths does not fix what comes before it. So it's definitely too little too late. It absolutely. Yeah. And I think that King writing this is is a very kind of cathartic experience for for the viewer who loves the stand book. Like this is a good like this is a strong ending 
for this would have been a strong ending for something that was stronger before it. Like mm-hmm. I, at some point I kind of, my brain kind of didn't recontextualize it, but kind of thought like, okay, maybe this is more just the ending of the book. Like this is like, I, I cause I don't have any attachment to the fucking characters in the miniseries cause they didn't do enough for the miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, for the characters in the miniseries. So maybe this is just my, like my viewing of this is, you know, revisiting the characters from the, of the book. Um, having said that, there are some, first of all, there's a, there's a little bit of dark tower stuff in there, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Um, so there is the number 19 pops up on a walkie talkie display mm-hmm. and they talk about the, uh, the world being a wheel, mm-hmm. um, which, <laughs> Uh, I, I posted on uh, I posted on my personal Facebook and said like, "Oh, hey, uh, just a big long thing about this episode." And uh, one of my friends from the IFGA was like, "Hey, what are the Dark Tower references?" Because he didn't he didn't watch the series. And I was like, "Oh," uh, and he likes the Dark Tower. Hmm. I was like, "Oh, it's this, this," and then the they keep saying uh, the world is a wheel or or times a wheel or whatever. And um, and I'm desperately like isolating that audio and I'm du- I'm gonna work on dubbing it in my best Odessa Young or or um. Uh, I almost called him John Marston from Red Dead, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption. Uh, oh my God, what is his name? James Marston. James Marston. James Marston. Um, impression to say Ka um, is mm-hmm. a wheel. But anyway, um, so I, I like that. But something that uh, something I really, really kind of found myself digging a lot was fran's stand like her choice like Mm -hmm. the like it says in the description after seeing both the light and the dark franny makes her stand she has an she has a a situation comes up she falls down a well and she has a vision of flag and a vision of mother abigail so how did you feel about these two sequences in the episode um yeah, it was really cool. Conceptually, I actually really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a little rushed, and mm-hmm. it would have been interesting to see it at a different part in the series. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the big conclusion's over, right? And it's, right. it's just not as satisfying. Um, but it's it was still really cool. The whole, she's she's in a well, and she's, you know, severely injured and going to die, and... Mm-hmm. The temptation from the dark side um, was was really cool. Um, I think um, credit to uh, Alexander Skarsgård. I think he had the the whole kind of slick uh, slick used car salesman yes. kind of thing going on, and he, he's got his shirt unbuttoned and stuff. He's all <laughs> hot and everything. And I um, I adored his performance in this episode. Yeah, well, I honestly did. At least that part. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So um, yeah, kind of a kind of a cool concept. Nice. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I really was kind of taken with this, and I, I'm I've got to geek out about, or I've got to posit something about this scene with Fran and and Flag. Um, maybe my favorite scene in the episode, um, because it is just it's so it's so slick and so well written. Um, the dialogue that Flag says, and it's just it's playing up this like, oh, I don't know if you have like a like a severe head trauma or, or, you know, he's like, he's putting in these thoughts. It's like, like he's, he's trying to manipulate her. But the thing I want to geek out about it and kind of want to posit to, to everyone here, Steve, if you're listening, let us know. (laughs) But the, the temptation that he gives her says that like, I'll fix you and I'll, I'll like, everything will be perfect. You just need to give me a kiss. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that has any kind of religious allegory to it. Do you, do you, does it? Do you know? I don't know. Kind of like kiss, kiss the ring kind of thing. Maybe. I, I don't, I don't or like, know. Like, I was thinking like, uh, um, Eve being tempted. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Like, I don't know if, like, I don't know if the act of kissing the devil is something that is, that is in, in, uh, <laughs> I almost said fiction, in <laughs> religious, uh, religion, religion, religious, religion. Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. If it's not, I kind of dig it a lot because it seems, I, I don't know if this is Stephen King's intention, but it's like, it is a, it is a it is a direct mirror to an episode of Lost. <laughs> um, if you remember, in season one of Lost, there's a whole episode where um, a character is having an asthma attack, and they think that the bad boy of the island Sawyer um, has is uh, stockpiling all the medicine, and he, he has her asthma medicine. Mm-hmm. So after being interrogated and tortured, he tells uh, the character of Kate that he'll 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 answer the questions. All she has to do is give him a kiss. Yeah. And it's like this scene in the stand is like exactly like that to an extent, even the setting they're in like a jungle. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, I don't know if like, I don't know if Stephen King had this idea for this specific scene in his head because he was a big fan of lost Mm -hmm. and maybe that's rattled around in his brain for all these years. Um, or if there's some other deeper like religious thing that both, that both lost and, this iteration of the stand used for this kind of uh, scene, but it's, they're so similar that I just, I kind of, I don't know. I was, I was into it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely was too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nice. That's good. Nice. And then her, um, vision of mother Abigail, um, mm-hmm. was fine. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nice. It was more mm-hmm. in keeping with the book and the whole, it was a much yeah. more, um, no offense to Whoopi Goldberg, but a much more Ruby D moment mm-hmm. where she's, you know, kind of like, oh, hey, my, hey, sweetheart, how are you? Right. Hang in there. You'll be fine. And, you know, yeah, yeah that kind You'll of thing. You'll have five children. Right. And like, in my head, I'm like, oh, God, the fucking nightmare. Ouch. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you'll have five children. God, what a fucking nightmare. Hey, congratulations on <laughs> Tiny. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but no, oh. uh, I, I like that. And, and so... This episode is an interesting coda to the story in that it shows that what what I appreciate about it is that it shows that the the stand that they made didn't end all good and evil. It, it didn't end this cycle of right, of good right, and evil. Right. So we see that like now I mean <laughs> like the the uh, the avatars of good and evil, Mother Abigail and Randall Flagg, still exist in in the world. Like Flagg is reincarnated, or he he re- comes back at the end, and Mother Abigail is like her spirit is in this little child in the woods or in the in the mm-hmm. cornfield. Yeah. Um. How'd you feel about that? Yeah, that was okay. It was um a little clumsy, I'll say. Yeah. Um, but. 
pretty cool um pretty cool scene where she like heals her and stuff mm-hmm. i um, i had such a problem like not such a problem but like i, I mean she it, ran the fuck out of that winch i mean <laughs> did a great job with that oh uh, yeah well you know when you got a winch like that and you just gotta you gotta do the torque and the, the motor <laughs> specs on um, the inline in for the rotary, rotary girder <laughs> i'm <laughs> a word that we don't use anymore <laughs> Um, Tommy Boy, one of my favorite movies. Anyway, great one. Um, yeah. So, uh, but when she actually heals her, like it just the visual effect of that just seemed like real. It's like they ran up the footage. It looked okay. yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm not going to nitpick that. Right. Um. Yeah. I I don't know. Um. It was it was cool in theory. I, I liked the idea that she is like the spirit of Mother Abigail is now in this child, and then. And suddenly she has healing abilities. It kind of seemed a little weird. Yeah. Um, but overall, I like the message. Like, it, it was a right. little bit of... It was actual subtext in, in the stand for, to an extent. More and so there was than some, we saw before. Some actual nice character work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I've got to say, so that montage of them, their road trip, um, first of all, it's scored by another just excellent music drop in this in this miniseries. Um, the song is called San Luis, and it's by... It's by um, a name I'm gonna, I'm going to mispronounce Gregory Allen Isakov. Um, very good song. It was very good and true to it, mm-hmm. to the nature of it. But something about the way that it showed them arriving at that Nebraska like farmhouse. Something about that there was this cleansing kind of um, air about it. Like it just it felt. Both this scene, this that montage, and the montage of of the four people walking to to Vegas, like that, just big landscapes of just America, essentially, just really kind of demonstrates to me just how like how great Stephen King is as a writer of writing. I don't I don't want to say like modern American folklore because I don't think that's the right word, but having an embodiment of like flyover states <laughs> and yeah. like America and Americana, um, which is one of the, one of the reasons why I think I've said on the podcast before, one of the reasons why I've definitely tweeted this, one of the reasons why I, I think it's ridiculous whenever someone's like, Oh, Stephen King, I've, I've seen some people say like Stephen King is a, is a liberal elite and everything. It's like, like, okay. I mean, he spent four fucking decades writing about like middle America and the working class American archetype. Right. Yeah. Like, settle down. A lot of his characters are conservative. Yeah. <laughs> and they're good characters. Like, they're yeah. um, protagonists. Right. Right. Snowflakes. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Um, what else can we talk about? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, really. Um, yeah, it, I think this was also the shortest episode. Um, Somewhat, I think. I think it was only like 48 minutes or something like that. Um, unless I'm wrong, I might have been misremembering. But I know the previous episode was like 48 minutes. Oh, really? Okay. I think this one, I think it was it ran like 50 some. Okay. I think. Let me check. Um, no, it was like 49. Oh, 49. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. I don't know. Um, I saw someone tweet this, and I don't know who exactly it was, but um, they said that they they. It would it would be neat if they um, if like a new edition of the stand book was printed and they just included like as like uh, as a bonus in it they included like the teleplay of this episode. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I thought that that would be neat. Yeah. Um. So okay. Uh. 
we're almost oh my god we're actually almost <laughs> like on time yeah um so parting thoughts on the circle closes uh yeah it, it, i i think it was it was a fun a fun little character study and mm-hmm. and character development for nice comeuppance for uh for franny um mm-hmm. that wasn't really even in the book or anything um yeah just kind of nice um and, and i i didn't really know what to expect um, I guess I sh- I didn't react to it as positively in the moment. Not that I mm-hmm. disliked it, but I just it, I guess all the um, all the nuance didn't settle with me till later on. So yeah, yeah. But it's it was kind of a nice denouement after after the main climax. You know, I agree. And um, another thing, uh, one of the early scenes. Oh, I forgot something. Okay, two things. Uh, Boulder scenes at the beginning of the episode. There is a cameo from Mick Garris. Um, oh really? He is. The, he's the guy with the long white hair. Okay. Um, in in the kind of barbecue scene. Gotcha. All right. Um, and then also, I thought it was really touching that scene with the, their, them sending off Stu and Fran. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly Brad William Henke, another MVP. Yeah. With what little he's given in this in the show. Right. Um, he did he did a phenomenal job. Um, and that was a really touching scene. And I, I think I saw a tweet or something where he said that that was actually the first scene that, that he shot for the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and he really wanted to honor like the character of, of Tom Cullen in that moment. Nice. Um, and I think he did a good job. Um, we also didn't talk about the baby and um, me about to sneeze on the mic. Okay, false alarm. Um, and the kind of the Captain Trip scare and everything. Yeah, yeah, that was fine. It was cool. Yeah, and her kind of montage at the beginning, where mm. she sort of have has the voiceover thing. Yeah, I actually kind of like that. Me too. Again, that music cue. Um, in in the soundtrack, it's called Franny Writing. Mm. Um, one of the most beautiful like scores of of a Stephen King property. In my totally. Opinion. Yeah, I liked yeah. that part. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I thought that this episode overall was pretty pretty good. Um, a good end to an abysmal <laughs> um, adaptation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a, it was a strong finish, and uh, yeah, it was it was fine. Um, parting thoughts on the Stand twenty twenty miniseries. I think it's a pretty big disappointment, really, mm-hmm. and, and I hate to say that because um, there's plenty of things that I would point to point to that I liked about this. Mm-hmm. But I think just just as a whole, the 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 structural issues and the organization and the chronology and the character work and lack thereof was just mm-hmm. such a huge mistake. Absolutely. <laughs> and 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 just so poorly done on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um that all all the positive things really got lost in the shuffle. Absolutely. And, and, and I don't I don't think I ever foresee myself watching this again. Uh, me neither, honestly. Which it, is such a shame because yeah. I could, I think I could see myself watching the mini the 90s mini series mm-hmm. for a third or fourth time. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. it's it's it serves its purpose and mm. it's kind of enjoyable and you can get past some things, and um, the negative things about that series don't detract from the overall right. vision of it the way that this one does. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's. I think this one was really. I hate to say it, but I think I think it was a failure. I think they failed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, I I don't. I know next time I see my parents, because my parents are big Stephen King fans, mm-hmm. they love The Stand. My mom loves The Stand. Nice. Um, they're going to ask me, you know, should we watch it? And I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm going to tell them yes. Mm-hmm. They, maybe they'll get something out of it that I didn't, but yeah. I'm going to say it's my least, <laughs> of the three versions of this story, it is my least favorite. Yeah. Uh, same here. 
unequivocally like worst interpretation of this. And I had such high story. hopes. Me too. I, yeah. I I really did too. And overall, I just I think that it was misstep after misstep after misstep. Yeah. And what worked in it, like, were fleeting, fleeting moments of enjoyment through the miniseries. Yeah. Um, again, it just lacked character development. It lacked storytelling. Like, it lacked a sinewy storytelling connective tissue. Yes. Like, so much stuff happens in this sprawling story that is just, it isn't even touched on in, in the adaptation and that's that's fine. I understand they have to make cuts. I understand that they can't show everything in a thousand page book. Like there's it's impossible. But what they do instead is instead of actually creating the characters and giving them a through line and arcs that are satisfying, they hit different points. They it's like they took the outline of the book and kind of just ignored like the subtext of everything going on and just hit the broad points and it's those early episodes where they just did that all out of order non-linear thing felt as it went on it felt like they were using that as an excuse not to actually develop the characters like okay we'll see where the characters are now and then we'll just show them just in the uh, in the in a flashback because we don't really need to give them that much context for that we'll just show what they what they were like beforehand and it'll all filter out and it doesn't it just none of it does and yeah. i don't know it's just it's such a, like to to agree with you it's a it's a disappointment and i really think that this was just a, a just a shit heap of an adaptation yeah. um yeah so yeah so as i said before coming up soon we're going to talk about our top 19 uh stephen king adaptations as a preview to that tiny is this going to make your top 19 (laughs) (laughs) not even close um and i forgot to mention um episode seven and eight i had to watch ads again really yeah but nine nine i didn't Ugh. i don't i don't get it yeah yeah well hopefully when cbs all access becomes paramount plus in a couple of weeks Mm. that'll who cares <laughs> they ain't getting my money no more nice yeah nice <laughs> um all right well we are done <laughs> we are we're finally done with the stand not that i mean this was a great experience i really liked discussing and dissecting totally. the stand with you yeah. um final final thing for this episode uh, for old time's sake how about a covid check-in <laughs> uh, yeah. how are you doing in the pandemic um i saw that your mom got uh her first dose of the vaccine yep nice my yeah. mom gets hers in a couple of weeks sweet yeah okay how about your dad has he gotten his he got his first nice yeah he got his like a week or two ago so. sweet yeah sweet um i'm i'm still doing good with it um nice. wearing my mask pretty diligently and uh i have not caught covid um lucky. yeah 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 i count myself lucky so yep yeah um not not much else to report, really. Uh, yeah, me neither. I haven't caught it again, um, <laughs> and so that's fine. Um, yeah, so whatever. All my after effects are gone, so I'm back to normal. That's good. Yeah. So okay. Well, hopefully we, this will die out, and uh, we'll be good. Yeah. Um, to our listeners, thank you guys for uh, joining us on this like eight episode 
nine or ten month journey through the stand. Um, we're gonna we're gonna come back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, hopefully, more consistent. We'll see. Um, but yeah, coming up next, we've got a lot of stuff that I talked about at the top of the episode. Um, find out more of uh, find more of our content at patreoncom viewer at the minimum rate of one dollar per month. Access to exclusive RSS feed, all that stuff, and uh, also you can buy masks and other merch at tiny. Or you can buy masks at tinyurl.com slash ov masks and just follow find our t public store um yeah uh t public.com public.com just type in obsessive viewer or tower junkies and you'll find us um thank you to uh mo underscore velma uh she i i mentioned in the pre- in a previous episode that someone bought a mask and a shirt and um uh, a sticker or something? No, um, a magnet, I think. Hmm. Um, and it was it was uh, Mo uh, Mo Vielma. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So thank you so much uh, for supporting us. And she posted on uh, on Instagram a uh, a picture of her wearing the shirt. And <laughs> that's awesome. That's, it's so awesome because I was just like, that's so, that's that's just neat. People <laughs> people wearing our merch. Pretty surreal. Yep. So all right. Well, thank you guys, and uh, I think that'll do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Mm-hmm. Next time we'll do something. We'll uh, you know just subscribe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So without further ado, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Yes. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Um, so, you told me that you have names to... Oh, you're not going to announce the names. You're not no, gonna we're going to wait okay. till which, whoever it is comes along. Okay. Whatever the thing ends up Whatever being. Whatever the thing ends up being. <laughs> yeah, whether it has eight legs that come out of its head and it crawls across the floor. Oh, God. Hey, perfect name. Mordred <laughs> Ramian. Oh, my God, Mordred. Mordred. <laughs> oh, the eye roll I would get from my wife yes. for even bringing that up. I was I was kind of thinking about that. Like, not, I, was, I was thinking about you and your wife and naming your baby. <laughs> not really, but... <laughs> Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash viewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our TeePublic store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at TeePublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. 
For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OV Anthology Pod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash as good as it gets band. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty! My name is Russell Faraday. Worship me!